If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Bolster Sleep Company is dedicated to helping you sleep well so you can live life more fully. Bolster provides high-quality hybrid mattresses and bedding. And for every mattress sale made, they provide scholarships and funding to vocational and technical schools in Haiti. Bolster Sleep delivers the rest you need. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR for 10% off your entire purchase today at bolstersleep.com. Again, that's bolstersleep.com, promo code happy hour for 10% off. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the happy hour. I hope that wherever you are, it's starting to look a little bit more spring. Although I am just so sad for all of you guys that are getting snow still. This is common in March, but in Texas, we're starting to see blue bonnets and it's turning into springtime. We're actually gearing up for our staycation next week for spring break. And I cannot wait to just unplug and be with my people. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. I want to say first, thank you to all the ladies in Fresno that I was with this weekend. You guys were amazing. You were so kind. Your event was beautiful. Way to go. I love seeing women put on great events and you guys killed it. So thank you, Restore 2019 in Visalia. Guys, I also want you to know that we released our very last interview for our Dreams and Goals mini-series this week over to our Patreon party people. It's our third one. We had Laura Casey, Michelle McKinney, and our last episode is with my friend Jennifer Allwood. She is creating things. She is starting things. She is dreaming things. She actually is someone who I send Voxer messages to to say, hey, can you help me think through this? She's the guest. And y'all, there is still time for you to join our Patreon party to get all of the miniseries interviews right now. Go to jamieivy.com slash Patreon. And our next miniseries coming up is on marriage. It's going to be great. But today, my guest is Shruti Parker. I mentioned at the end of last week's interview that I met Shruti from my church. We had coffee a couple months ago, and she is such a delight that I feel like I just saw her. Shruti shares with us today in this episode about her friend, Faye, who in the eighth grade invited her to a small group at her church. And after living in the United States for over a decade, this was the first time that Shruti had heard the story of Jesus' grace. Shruti talks about the struggle with fear and approval from others and how she hid her faith from her family for a long time. Now, she includes her faith in all of the work that she does. She's a professional blogger and event host. You're gonna be super encouraged and inspired by her story. Here is my conversation with Shruti Parker. Shruti, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, thanks for having me. I am so glad that you are finally here. We had coffee how long ago? Hmm, I want to say six months ago. We had coffee six months ago. You reached out to me and you're like, hey, I go to your church. Mm-hmm. I love to meet you. Yep. And I came home from hanging out with you and thought, I really like this person. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) No, it was super fun to hear your story and what you're doing in life and all those kind of things. So give my listeners like a one minute elevator pitch of who you are. All right. One minute. Let's go. Basically, who am I? I am a woman and my name is Shruti. I'm a Christian. I'm Indian. I'm a blogger, a wife, mom to two dogs. One is rescued. One's a Frenchie. Um, was born in India, brought up in the USA, and now I'm in Austin, Texas. Loving Austin, Texas. Loving it. You went to yeah. the University of Texas, didn't you? I did. Hook'em yeah. Horns. Hook'em Horns. That's where you met your husband, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So you brought up so many things that make my curiosity just go crazy. Like All right. the fact that you were born in India. Yeah. The fact that you um, are a Christian and that only, I only know your story a little bit. That's why that brought up curiosity. Not that you can't be a Christian and live in India, but- <laughs> Um, it's probably rare, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very That's rare. Right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. not that curious of me. Um, the fact that you were born in India, India um, came to the U.S., mm-hmm. became a believer, mm-hmm. 
live in Austin. So take me back. I want to hear you, your journey of faith. Okay. 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 So let's start back with your story. Sure. Tell me about growing up in India. Go mm-hmm. back to the beginning. Tell me about your life growing okay. up. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, I was born there. All of my family has lived in India their whole lives. And, you know, I still have this little shot on um, my left arm for the smallpox vaccine because it was like the last country to have a case of smallpox. So. Oh, you know, I think one know. of my kids has a vaccine scar from in Haiti. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. there we go. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely something probably that either you get in the U.S., but mm-hmm. it doesn't leave a scar because it's, yeah. you know. I mean, if smallpox comes over to this country, I'm pretty You're much good. safe. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. India is really big, so tell me yeah. a little bit more. Okay, so I'm on, I was born on the southeast part of India in Chennai. And, you know, India itself is like 90 plus percent non-Christian. And in that 10% that is, it's very cultural or, you know, people don't really pursue that faith. And so all my family, we've all been like in the specific caste of Brahmins. We are vegetarians. We've all been Hindu. And um, basically my dad, he got a job here in the U.S. And we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to go back. I'm going to ask you a thousand questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just said a specific caste. Yes. Go to that real quick. Okay, so the caste system is still relevant in India. I mean, it's not as relevant as it was maybe 20 years ago, but let's just say like everyone in my family only married in the same caste and still till this day, a lot of, you know, family, friends, family will still only marry within the same caste. And Brahmins are supposed to be like the teachers, the religious leaders. Um, They're just supposed to be really healthy and clean and pure. So that's why we are vegetarian. Um, not that I have a problem with meat. Like my husband is such a carnivore, um, but Are you yeah. still a vegetarian? I am, yes. Austin's a great place to be a vegetarian. It is, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We so. were vegetarians for like seven years. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Before we moved here and then a little bit when we were still here. Yeah. Why? A long time ago, we watched one of those Netflix documentaries that came out one of the earliest times. Mm -hmm. And we just thought it wasn't against cruelty for animals. It was the type of meat. Oh, yeah. And at that point in our life, we couldn't afford like organic, good, know where you're getting your food Mm -hmm. kind of meat. And so we just thought if we can't get that, then let's just cut it out. Yeah. And so we didn't eat meat for like seven years and then we just got really used to it. And we would like enjoy all the meat substitutes and all of those things. But we moved to Austin and our friends, Brad (laughs) Noel, just kept inviting us over and putting meat on the table. And finally we just went for it. So I mean, I think like if I wasn't brought up vegetarian, I wouldn't be vegetarian because I love the smell of barbecue. Oh, like, yes. I love it. Like, I think I've been to La Barbecue more times than like my friends who have not had meat or who do eat meat. But you don't yeah. go, you're not indulging. No, I just go there because my husband loves La Barbecue and I, I'm like, oh, I'll come with you. And I just smell things. <laughs> and eat like coleslaw. And I mean, beans. yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> speaking of barbecue, if anyone's listening, you're coming to Texas soon. I was in, where was I the other day? Benton? No, <laughs> Benton. I was in Belton. Oh, oh Yeah. Miller Barbecue. It, you won't ever know this because you're vegetarian. It's the best barbecue I've ever had in my entire life. Well, that's on our way to Dallas where my parents live. Y'all should so. stop. I'm serious. Your husband would love it. Yeah. Okay. So you grow up in India, yeah. the caste system, vegetarians, yeah. teachers, leaders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so that is just your life. And that is a real deal. Can I ask a question that seems kind of silly to me? No, go for it. In India, where the caste, caste with a T, right? Mm-hmm. In India, where the caste system is alive and well, and that is the thing for sure. How do you differentiate who is in what caste? So it's based on ancestry. But I mean, if you and I met on the street. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I mean, maybe you would know based on like, if you were really, really, really good about picking up on details, like um, at at a lot of restaurants, they'll have like the meat on one side and the vegetarian stuff on one other side. So if you were like, oh, she's going to get vegetarian food. And sometimes you can tell based on like religious, like adorations on like yeah. people's heads and things like that. But really it's, I think as that country is getting more modern, it's not as relevant or prevalent, but it's still something that, you know, arranged marriages are huge over there and they'll always check for things like caste. Mm. Mm-hmm. So your dad gets a job mm-hmm. yes. in America Yep, and you're how old? I'm one. Oh, okay. So you have spent most of your life here. Oh yeah. I've spent most of my life here. We just go back every year to 
because the rest of my family lives Perfect. over there. Okay, so yeah. you tell me, go start picking up where your dad gets a job. Okay, and my move. dad gets a job. He's we're in New York, and then we moved to Texas a few years later to Austin, actually. Then we moved to Dallas, where I end up going to school up until you know college, and then I moved back to Austin for college, and um, have stayed here since then. But where I encountered, you know, like discussing about Jesus and faith was in high school. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up Hindu. Mm-hmm. So yeah. were you devout? Were you, was your family devout or was it more of kind of cultural? I would say we were in the middle. Okay. We went to Hindu Sunday school every Sunday. Okay. So like, that's like a lot more than most people do. Um, and my mom was a teacher at the Hindu Sunday school, but my dad never came with us. Okay. And so it was kind of in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So you're growing up mm-hmm. um, culturally and religious Hindu, mm-hmm. but in high school, you encounter um, a Christian. Yes. Tell me the story about how you first were, like Christianity was brought to your attention or yeah. what about even Jesus? Tell me that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess if I really thought about it, in eighth grade, um, I remember this specific girl who, she was kind of my friend, kind of not. She was like, you know, you know how, how like when you're growing up, everyone's like, oh, that person's like so crazy. That one's a partier, or, you know, people mm-hmm. like that. She was the first one to talk to me about Jesus, um, which I think is so cool. But she would have been called a partier? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Do you remember what she said? Um, she said to me, um, she's like, what are you doing this weekend? I was like, oh, like I have a presentation at my Hindu Sunday school. What about you? And she's like, oh, wait, you're Hindu? And I was like, yeah. And she basically invited me to her small group. And that was the first time I went. And um, the whole message was about grace. And I'd never, ever, ever heard about grace in my life. And I was 14 years old. I did not expect this girl to invite me into her community. Um, And I'd been living in this place for, you know, like more than a decade. And for the, you know, it it was just so it still blows my mind till this day. I'm, I always think about her because we have almost the same birthday. And I'm just like, man, thank you for being the first one to be bold and like invite me into your community. Do you remember her name? Yeah, it was Faye. Faye. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? I just had a conversation um, this morning with one of my seventh graders just about being different mm-hmm. and letting people know that you follow Jesus. And I think that's so hard for middle school kids because you want to fit in, you mm-hmm. know? And when I love hearing that story of you looking back and remembering Faye going, hey, will you come with me to my small group? Yeah. It's just such an easy thing. It's so easy. And like, I think a lot of times nowadays, I think people overthink it. They're just like, oh, like it needs to be the perfect situation, the perfect words, like the perfect encounter. But really she just was just herself and just like, hey, come with me. And I was like, uh, yeah, I will. Okay, so you go to Faith Small Group. You mm-hmm. hear about grace for the very first time. Mm-hmm. As a 14-year-old, what did that even mean for you? I think at that point it meant compassion and just like abounding compassion because, you know, there's that hierarchy of the social structure in schools. And I grew up in a suburb. Um, in Co- I grew up in Coppell, Texas. And that's just like a 90-something percent white suburb where it's very clicky based on... Um, honestly, I think based on faith. And so kind of growing up there, I felt isolated most of my life and being able to go to this and feel for the first time, like a part of the majority, but also understanding that I didn't have this like abounding compassion in my life. Like I didn't, I have never experienced it from other people and I had never given it to other people. What does Jesus look like in your, in your faith and culture? Is that ever, is Jesus ever even talked about? Yeah. So Jesus is never actually talked about, but if you ask people, um, like, what do you think about Jesus? They'll say, oh, he's a great teacher. He's very moral. Um, We believe in all gods, so he's one of our gods. Um, But they won't actually ever bring him up unless you push into that. Right, right. Okay, so you're you're feeling kind of included for the first time as well, especially Mm -hmm. growing up. I always thought it was Capel, by the way. Thank you for telling me. Um, (laughs) You're feeling kind of included for the first time because you felt like an outsider, culturally, mm-hmm. religion, um, everyone there, you said is majority white. Yeah. And so for, you're feeling kind of like, okay, I feel kind of accepted and, and kind of fit in, but mm-hmm. you didn't follow, start following Jesus until high school. So what did yeah. that look like for those next couple of years? I actually didn't start following Jesus until college. Okay. Um, but that was definitely like one of the first moments that I was like, you know, there, there's something to this and had it in the back of my mind sort of simmering. Um, but then after that, 
you know, you get into high school, I was a serious tennis player. So all of my friends were tennis players as well. I sort of just devoted my life to sports and school. And I didn't realize this until almost senior year of high school that all of my friends, like closest friends were all Christians. Um, it kind of came up organically. You know, we were all sitting around a bonfire before um, graduation and somebody was like, so like, you know, what is this going to look like? What, like going to college and community? And they sort of asked me, you know, Shruti, what does God look like to you? That just came out yeah. like, after asking about community and school. And I was like, I've never actually been asked what God looks like to me. And I'm almost 18 years old at this point, living in a majority, you know, white Christian suburb. And I had no idea. And the person I was dating at that point was a pastor's son. And so you would think like, okay, she's dating a pastor's son. All of her friends are Christians. Like, how is this the first time she's hearing about it? But again, like, I think people are just so worried about that perfect encounter that they don't realize. Just let it come from the overflow of your heart, you know? Anyways, I started asking my um, boyfriend at the time, I was like, like, why do you believe Jesus? Why do you follow him? Why, um, why is he everything to you? And so then he was like, well, do you want to come to church with me? And so I said, sure. So I went to church with him while I was still attending Hindu Sunday school. I remember going to a mosque and breaking Ramadan, I believe, with one of my friends. Um, I was just sort of really curious at this point, you know, like you're going to college, you're like, what do I believe? <laughs> um, and I think my friends at that point realized, okay, like she's actually sinking. And so Later on, they told me like they started praying for me and like texting about me and just being like, oh, she's asked, she's curious about this. I'm sending her over to you and things like that, just sort of behind the scenes. And then I graduate from high school. At this point, I'm still not a believer. I'm just like, I had this really tough encounter um, one of the last weeks in Hindu Sunday school where um, they're talking about karma and how good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. And... I've always been a little bit sassy, a little bit sarcastic, a lot of bit sassy maybe is more accurate. And I remember asking my teacher, well, if bad things happen to bad people, then what about all of the Jews and the Holocaust? And, you know, I was just like, did they deserve that? And she was like, well, um, I mean, we don't know. They might have done something in one of their past lives to be born into a situation like that. And I definitely didn't respond with grace or <laughs> compassion. I was just like, are you kidding me? You can't actually believe this. And, uh, you know, the rest of my class was sort of like, take it easy. Like, it's not that serious. <laughs> but something within me was like, I need to understand who God is. You know, like, I can't go along with an ideology just nodding my head because it's easier. And so I, I sort of left that situation. I had no connection with the mosque or with the prayers or just like reading the Quran. I didn't have, there was nothing there, mm -hmm. like absolutely nothing. And so, you know, I was like, you know, maybe this is. No if you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Got it. At, yeah. this, at this whole time, how are your, are your parents aware of this kind of no. seeking that you're doing and so questioning? It was all very secretive. Because I could imagine that that might not be okay. No, it was definitely not okay. And I, I mean, there was a lot of fear there that probably didn't leave until almost a decade after I became a believer. Because what did you think would happen if your parents knew? I mean, I didn't even know. There was no precedent for this. Like I knew no one in my life who was Indian who had left their upbringing based on their faith, like ever. You know, I was like the rebellious girl because the guy that I was dating wasn't Indian. Right. And so... um, even just with that, I remember like people in our community would be talking like, oh, you know, Shruti, like she's dating this white boy. Um, and so I was like, I cannot even imagine uh-huh. if they were like, yeah, oh, she's not a Hindu anymore. Mm-hmm. So so that summer you're seeking, yes, you're, that summer. You're, you're, you're kind of being sassy with your, with your Sunday school yes. teacher, asking her about how does karma even work? Yes, this is, you can't believe this. You're breaking Ramadan, you're doing all these things. Yeah. And then what happens that summer before college? Yeah. So that summer before college, my parents tell me that they're moving to Atlanta, which was shocking because I have two and a half months before um, I'm going to UT. And, you know, I was like, I was distraught. I was like, no, this was the summer I was supposed to spend with all of my best friends before school. Instead, I'm completely isolated in Johns Creek, Georgia, um, in this new room, unpacking boxes, even though it doesn't really make sense. I'm about to leave. So I remember I was pretty miserable and um, I was still dating that guy. And he was at a discipleship camp, like uh, Young Guns through Pine Cove. And he and I would write letters, but we weren't allowed to talk on the phone until it was like Saturday because of technology. And so I truly felt very alone in that summer. And I remember he sent me a book. He sent me More Than a Carpenter and he sent me um, Case for Christ. And just, you know, in the letter said, no pressure. If you're interested, take a read. Um, I had no desire to read these books because there's... <laughs> I don't know. There's something about seeking without seeking written knowledge. Like you feel a little, like you're feeling more on this journey rather than reading. And suddenly when you're reading truth, it's very black and white. You know, I hadn't picked up a Bible yet. I was, I was worried that I was going to encounter this thing I was searching for. And then I remember going to a Publix, picking up milk for my mom and, um, which is like a grocery store. And in the checkout aisle, there was a Bible in 40 days and a book called God's Promises. And so I like obviously paid in cash. <laughs> I don't know why. I just had this. So your mom wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. I just like had this feeling of fear, but bought those books, got the groceries, came home. And then I started reading. I was like, I need to like, this is time. I need to do this. But it, I don't, I truly don't think it was myself that made my heart ready. You know, at that point I, I was sitting in a lot of fear, 
but I was reading um, the Bible in 40 days, God's promises. And then I started reading more than a carpenter. The Bible in 40 days is a lot of Bible. Yeah. It was a lot of Bible, Yeah, but it was like over the course of the summer, Yeah, you know, and it, was, it wasn't very mm-hmm. extensive, but more than a carpenter is what really got me because I've always been very logic driven and just the way it was written. I remember, I think it was chapter six or something where it said, Jesus Christ, Lord, liar, lunatic, like a C.S. Lewis quote. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, I 100% was like, yes, he's not a liar. I get it. I understand that. 100%, he's not a lunatic. I get that. How do I logic him into being Lord? Um, and so probably that is when I started praying. Of- to what? what we, how, how, how did you work that out? <laughs> well, actually... I very much remember like sitting in my bed in this new room and just being like, Krishna, Shiva, Jesus, whoever you are up there, I need to know who is God. I need to know who you are. And like, I need you to be over my life and I need you to reveal this to me. And of course, this sounds dramatic, but it's just the way it happened. I had a dream. Um, I dreamed that this really tall man like a very tall man was standing at the edge of my bed. And he said, fly back to Texas, go back to Dallas. So the next day I remember telling my mom, I need to go back to Capel. I need to go back. And she was like, no, you're going to UT in two weeks. You're not going back. And I was like, I have to go, mom. I have to go. And later she said, I sounded possessed. Like, absolutely. She said that. So then the next day, two days after this dream, 5 a.m., I flew out. And um, the guy I was dating at the time, he picked me up from the airport and he was just like, wow, like, what are you doing here? What's going on? I was like, I just had a dream that I was supposed to come here. And he had no idea about my faith journey. I just kept it secret to myself from everyone, from my friends back home, from him, from my family. And, um, you know, he had just finished his discipleship camp. So he was like, hey, can I read you the book of Romans? I memorized it. And um, I was like, sure. So we go to Barnes and Noble, we sit on the floor. He starts reading Romans and then he gets to Romans one twenty, And literally it was like, I could see like something in me just shifted. And I was like, man, men are without excuse. Like God does display himself in all of creation. And I just start sobbing and he's like, what is going on? <laughs> He's like, what's happening? And I was like, you have no idea the summer that I've been through. Like I've been just wondering and asking God to reveal himself to me. Um, And I believe he has, like it was, it's been through the prayers of people around me. It's been through reading scripture. And finally it was like that C.S. Lewis quote. I was like, oh Lord, you are Lord. I get it. Um, And that is when I asked Jesus to, you know, come into my life and just, help, like, let me be a part of his kingdom. I, these stories make me literally giddy. And like, I just want to bawl my eyes out because when I hear stories like yours, it is so um, refreshing for my faith. And it's so reaffirming um, that God's word is so really true, Mm -hmm. that he does what he says he will do. Like when you even said, like, it wasn't me and my heart drawing me to these things. Like we as believers know that like God was drawing you mm-hmm. towards him. Mm-hmm. Like the Holy Spirit was moving in your life to bring you towards him. And all of these things were put into place before the creation of the time so that you would spend that summer reading those books and mm-hmm. find that. And then you would sit in the floor of Barnes and Nobles and hear Romans one twenty. And my heart just like, it explodes <laughs> because it also is so just evident that I think so many times, especially people in ministry like myself think we need to do all of these things. Like we need to say all these things. We need to do all these programs. We need to do all these things. And those things are great. I'm, I'm not against any of them. But also your story, and like I, I could count a handful of other stories of people who've been on the show who have said this to me, God's word drew me to him. Yep. And I'm just like, this is what he says. His word is alive. It's living. Mm-hmm. It does that. And mm-hmm. you're living proof of it. I mean, every time somebody says something to me like, oh, you know, I just don't know the things to say to this person or... You know, I don't know if I if I need to ask them to read the Bible with me. I, I don't think they'll get it. I'm just like, look, it's not, it really is not you. Like it really is his word that is going to change hearts. I think that is the most encouraging thing anyone will hear out of this show today is it really is not on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell parents a lot. And so the, 
what I'm about to say speaks a lot to parents, but I think it speaks to anyone that we think of is um, I hear a lot of moms that are concerned about their kids' salvation. Am I telling them the right things? Are they, have they prayed the prayer? They mm-hmm. haven't been baptized yet. And I am always one who's saying, you can't save your kids. Yeah. You can't save your kids. And on the flip side of that, praise God, we also can't, uns- we can't make our kids not follow Jesus, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. there's that side as well. I cannot screw up enough to where they won't choose to mm-hmm. follow him. It's yeah. all in God's hands. And so that's encouraging as parents to say, you can't save your kids mm-hmm. and you can't make them not choose God either. Absolutely. So he is sovereign. Just, he is sovereign over yeah. all of salvation. It's so great. It is like the biggest burden lifted off, especially when you're trying to share. Okay, friends, I know that you are loving my conversation with Shruti, but I want to thank our sponsors for today's show because they help make the podcast happen. The first one I want to thank is Smilo. Smilo is the new baby brand that takes care of the details so you can focus more on you and your growing family. Isn't that what we need as new parents? Smilo brings you the best in feeding, soothing, pregnancy, baby, and toddler products all in one place. Smilo's patented products are designed by doctors, engineers, and parents. Because we know what's up to you guys. Everything is backed up by proven medical claims and all products have a 30-day satisfaction guaranteed. Smilo is known for their three-in-one nursing and pregnancy pillow, bottles, pacifiers, baby lounger, sippy cups, one-of-a-kind baby bundles, and more. The Baby Lounger, which is a fabulous product, which I wish I would have had when my babies were younger, it's a temperature-controlled lounger to reduce the risk of overheating. It has breathable sidewalls, which cradle your baby and prevent rollover, and an easy-to-remove-and-wash cover, which is so important with little babies, and it assembles in seconds. Now, they're bottles. They are anti-colic, more like mom milk duck, makes it easier for baby to latch and reduce air intake. Fluid transmits to baby just like breastfeeding. It has leak-resistance venting, which means it's easy to travel with and prevents leaks in your diaper bag. And nobody wants a leaky bottle in their diaper bag. Also, sippy cups. When you have little kids, I promise you, you cannot have enough sippy cups. Their sippy cups have a clean and easy-to-wash design, which means there's not anywhere for dirt and mold to hide. Praise the Lord for that one. They're leak-proof. They have a fold-away spout, which is designed by a pediatric dentist to provide proper lip posture and position. Thank you, dentist. You guys, purchase expertly designed products for your baby today only at smilobaby.com and use the code HAPPYHOUR for 20% off your order. You guys, it's a great deal. That's smilo, S-M-I-L-O, baby.com. Use code HAPPYHOUR. Guys, I also want to thank Third Love for supporting today's show. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind. What are the results of that, you might ask? Well, the results are a perfect fit and premium feel. First, you simply answer a few questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Then, once you receive your bra, you can wear it and wash it and put it to the test for 60 days. And my friends, if you don't love it, return it and third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. It's all a part of their 100% fit guarantee. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own with straps that won't slip, tagless labels, and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. They even have a line of incredibly soft and breathable cotton bras. I will attest that this is the most comfortable bra you'll ever own because I have a handful of their bras. In fact, my most recent purchase is one of the soft and breathable cotton bras, which is perfect for spring and summer coming up. I've loved them every single time they get my fit right. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners, you guys, because you're listening, 15% off your first order. It's worth trying. They're giving you 15% off. Go to thirdlove.com slash Jamie right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Jamie for 15% off today. So you have this moment, this encounter with Mm -hmm. your, uh, at the time, boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and you're leaving to go to the University of Texas in two weeks. yes. How, what happens? Because you're a new believer. You're Mm -hmm. heading into college. Yeah. What does this even look like for you? Oh man. I remember right before I got on the flight back, his mom gave me my first like actual Bible. She gave me a Carrie Job CD, which I'd never, ever listened to worship music at this point. So I was like, that was, that was a whole different discovery. Um, And then I just went back feeling like I have this little secret, but it is like 
something that will never, I will never be the same. And definitely there was this guilt of like, I need to tell them. Your parents. Yes. I need to tell my parents. And I, I fought that. I fought that for a very long time and it did not end. It ended like so long later. Well, but man, that was a lot of fear. Did you tell them right away? Oh no. Okay. You went off to college. Yeah. I went off to college. I, um, at this point had no friends at UT because, and I, sometimes I would look back and I'd be like, God, why didn't you let me like just have a normal college experience and then save me later, you know? (laughs) Um, But he literally like two weeks before, he's like, you are going to like be one of mine and you're going to pursue me and your life is going to be totally different. So because of that, I lost a lot of friends going into school. Just, you know, freshman year, people are trying to discover what they like, what they don't like. And there's a lot of like, oh, I'm in college and that's an excuse for a lot of behavior. But- um, the Holy Spirit convicted me of a lot of things before I, I did them and was just like, no, like that's not glorifying to God. And that really made me feel like back to this place of alone yeah. because I didn't know any Christians here in this city. Um, so it wasn't until this girl walked uh, in front of me at school at UT with a cross necklace. And I was like, you know what? I can't like live like this. I can't be alone. So I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, hey, are you a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> like, what if she would have been like, uh, no, my grandma gave me this when I was eight years old. <laughs> yeah. I know, seriously. You were uh, just looking for anything. You're I, like, I, I need a friend. Yeah. Oh my, like, oh man. So was she a Christian? She was. She was in a small group at the Austin Stone. She invited me to my first MC that first week of college. And till this day, we're still friends. What's her name? Katie. So we've got Faye in mm-hmm. eighth grade. We've mm-hmm. got Katie, your freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I, I I love Faye and Katie already. I know. Okay, so you tap Katie on the shoulder. She's yeah. a Christian. Yeah. Which that seems awkward, Shruti. Was that awkward? <laughs> Excuse me. Hello. But I you mean, just went for it. I went for it because we're made to be with people. And like, I needed people. And I'm not the kind of person to like, like it felt more awkward to me to get a flyer from what it said, like Christian discipleship group than it would be to go talk to someone. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So you, you join a, a small group, yeah. you start going to church mm-hmm. and I just need to know Christianity, your life was just easy and just like, it was just awesome and wonderful and you had no oh, tr- struggles. Yeah. I mean, it was just the easiest thing. <laughs> no, it was not easy. Um, I didn't know what I was in for really. You know, I was getting discipled at this point by um, a member on staff of Inner Varsity. I was going to the Stone 1115. I was in the small group and I was just sort of like feeling I was getting in this rhythm of, okay, like this can be my life. And then at the end of freshman year, the guy I was dating and I broke up and that was really hard because he'd been there through a lot of this like coming to know Christ. And then the same week, Well, let me preface it with this. My mentor challenged me, you know, probably nine months into school or eight months into school. She was like, hey, why don't you pray this prayer asking God um, to remove idols in your life? That's a fun prayer. Yeah, very fun prayer. (laughs) And, you know, at this point, you know, you're really young, you're new. You're just like, yeah, of course, I'm going (laughs) to ask God this. So literally that week, this relationship ends, which I was not prepared for And then the same week I was leaving um, small group and I had 16 missed calls on my phone. And so I'm on the bus um, with one of my friends in the small group and I call my mom back. I'm like, is everything okay? What's going on? And she is just sobbing. My dad is shouting. I cannot understand what's happening. And she is like, how could you do this to us? How could you do this? Like you're, you're the black sheep of the community now. And my dad is like, I never thought I'd raised you this way. And it was just like, I started sobbing. I was like, my secret is out. Like now they know. Um, and kind of from there, it just, for years. How did they find out? Uh, so. Your brother told them. No, my brother didn't tell them. Actually, that week that my mentor had asked me about that, she also said, why don't we, you get baptized? Mm. And so we were, I was like, you know what? I'll get baptized. I was going to get baptized through the stone, everything. And so I sent out like a little email to some people saying, hey, come and like witness this moment in my life. And I did email some people who were part of my, like I emailed some people who were Hindu and they were my best friends growing up. 
but I didn't email my parents. I was still fearful. She forwarded that email to my parents and I never expected that from her. Like I had held a lot of secrets for of, of what of things that she'd encountered and gone through in college. And I kind of expected the same, but I think God was also like revealing to me this idol that I had of like, I don't know if it's an idol of fear, but idol of- um, Maybe approval, approval from your parents. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just being like, hey, like you guarding her secrets of her sin are not the same of her guarding your secret of me. Like a baptism is a public declaration of me. And- um, So your parents flip out, which is what you were always afraid of happening. Yes, exactly. What did that do to your relationship? Uh, We didn't talk. For how long? We didn't talk um, at that point for, so this was May. We didn't talk up until, I mean, we like chatted, but it was never like our relationship was never, like we were never in the same room together comfortably for years, I would say. Like, because they were like, we're not going to, we're not going to take away your tuition money, but just know that. I never could have done to you what you've done to us. Mm. Or I could never could have done to my family the, what you've done to us. Yeah. And so I remember they were like, don't come home at that point for the summer, which was tough because where do you go? Where yeah. like, you go home? And so um, a lot of my friends were working at Pine Cove. And so I sent them like a little email of like, can I work for you guys and whatever? And yeah, that worked out. And so that was cool. I had six weeks working there and really resting. And I got to be discipled by our camp leader's wife and just understand um, that I need community again. Like you can't go through these things without people. But fast forward, I start dating my husband of the time at the time, or no, not my husband at the time. I start dating my husband. You start dating the guy who's now your husband. There we go. I started (laughs) dating the guy who would become my husband. And at that point, my parents were like, oh, we want to you know, meet him. And they slowly like, came back into my life. He's very bold about his faith and they were very accepting of it, which didn't make sense to me, but I believe it was a gift from God. Wow. Were they at your wedding? My parents? Yeah. They were at my wedding, but two weeks before they were not planning on being okay. there. Well, praise God, they were there. Yeah. So when your parents found out, like mm-hmm. that was the fear the whole time. Yeah. I mean, that was in your brain from even probably that conversation with Faye in eighth grade of mm-hmm. this is not something I could ever tell my parents. Yeah. You didn't even tell them about all the things you were seeking when you were in high school. When that happened, mm-hmm. your biggest fear, maybe, yeah. with your faith. Absolutely. I know that it was, it sounds like it was exactly what you expected. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on it now, however many years you are removed from that, do you see that you, that it wasn't as hard as you thought it was or was it as hard? What do you see looking back on that time now? Um, looking back on that time now, I wish I had had the courage to talk with them earlier. I wish I had, yeah, I genuinely just wish I wasn't so fearful. Um, but it's just hard. Yeah. You know, it's really hard. You love your parents and you listen to your parents your whole life. And for me, my parents, um, I've just seen the way that they like immigrated here, have worked really hard to provide lives for us. And I'll never not be thankful for that. But I think, um, you know, on their end, the expectation of we've done all of this so our daughter could have a better life was also, we've done all this so our daughter could listen to us at all times. And do and follow it exactly how we would want her to do. Yeah, which is what they did with their parents. It's just generationally, you know, and culturally, that's a big thing too for your culture. Respect for elders is above everything. They say, um, they have this saying of like, mom, dad, God, teacher, all on the same level. Wow. And then when you're brought up with that, we understand where that fear came from. Yeah. When you're realizing this would be like the ultimate thing to go against my parents. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were really having to make a big choice. And and for you, I'm sure that had to have been also a little bit confirming as well. When your parents did lose it, just like you thought they would, your faith might've like, you might've like had some moments of wavering, but you didn't go back. That had to have been a little bit of confirmation to you as well. It's like, I'm really choosing this. Like I'm really in, my parents know everything's out and I'm still in this. I mean, it definitely felt like you're just falling, you know, like you're having all these conversations and you just feel like you're falling and you're falling. But God is like, he's like, I got you. I'm here, like arms open. I got you. And nobody like understood at that point. They're like, you're putting your parents through so much pain. I remember my brother at that point was so upset with me. My grandmother from India would call me and just be like, what are you doing? Um, My neighbors would come over who were Hindu and say, you know, you know, God is like this and God is that. There is something about truth 
when you know it, everything else, you just, you so clearly are like, that's a lie. That's not true. That's wrong. You just, you just know it. You cannot turn on the light and then be like, I love the darkness. You just can't do it. <laughs> that's good. That's so. good. Like, let me go back into darkness. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go back into darkness. Yeah. I love it. Well, I love your story so much. And I think that um, it's encouraging. It's encouraging for us listening um, in a couple of ways to see that like, God is in the business of saving people mm-hmm. and he will save and he will do it. And he doesn't really need us. Yeah. I mean, we have, we are asked to go and tell and do, and that's a part of our faith is that we want to tell everybody about him. But at the end of the day, he is in control. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably someone listening that has been praying for a family member or for a neighbor or for a friend. And so I think this is going to be encouraging to them. I hope so. I hope so too. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. Sure. You live in Austin. How yes. old are you? Can I ask you that? Yes. I'm 26. You're like one of the cutest people I've ever seen in my entire life. Aww. You're so stylish. You should see her Instagram people. <laughs> um, and so you graduate college. Yes. And you do go take on a, I'm going to do air quotes here because you and I both know I don't want to be offensive here. You do go get a real job, right? <laughs> yeah. What did you do at first? Um, I worked in marketing for a price optimization software company. That sounds so exciting. It was very sexy. <laughs> very sexy. <laughs> okay, so but then you made a leap of faith and you became your own boss. Yes. Your own thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love hearing stories like that as well. So mm-hmm. you are a blogger. Yes, I am. And you make a living by blogging. I do. Okay, tell me what made you want to jump over to do that. Sure. So right after we got married, my husband got a one-year job as an architect at his dream firm in London. And he was like, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's have this amazing year abroad and just travel and pursue our dreams. And so I had a contract job with a consulting firm. So um, we moved over there with two stable jobs. And of course, my job, didn't pan out. Okay. So I get over there. I have my work visa, everything, you know, on, in July, they're like, your start date's August. In August, they tell me my start date's September and so on and so forth. And by September, we'd been there for three months and I had to, you know, I had to think, what am I doing here? I cannot waste my time here. And I was still actually a little bit fearful of my resume. I was like, what am I going to tell my boss? Like whenever I come back, oh yeah, I spent 12 months doing nothing. I was just Um, living the life in London. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Just having a flat white and uh, (laughs) yeah. So I started volunteering through our church there, which is also an Acts 29 church. And um, all this time I'd been blogging, but it was just fun. I started the blog on our flight over there. I said, you know what? I'm going to write about my adventures. Writing is my passion and why not? And so I just wrote and volunteered and wrote and volunteered. And then I told myself, I'm going to use this as a portfolio so that whenever I come back to Austin, I can show marketing companies and CMOs, hey, this is what I could do for your brand. And so I just started working my brand as if it was already established and working like eight to five every day, just networking, meeting with people for coffee, reading books on blogging, articles, scouring the internet, just saying, how can I make, how can I make this nothing brand into something right now? Basically, because I worked on it nine to five. And then I, when we um, moved back, my husband was in grad school at UT for six, for an extra six months at this point. I was just like, okay, I have 18 months of doing this thing as full time. And after 18 months, it was not necessarily full-time income. I was also Uber driving, which <laughs> I'm an introvert. So that was hilarious. <laughs> I wish all my Uber drivers were introverts, by the way, because I do not like getting an Uber when they want to talk to me. Yeah, I 100% am the same way. And I remember driving and being like, please don't talk to me. Please, please don't talk to don't me. Because I always ask them the same question. So how long have you been driving? Mm-hmm. What do you like? I mean, it's like, I don't even know what to, although lately I have been getting a little out of my shell and I've had some really great conversations That's with good. Uber drivers, but. Yeah, I found that people just often use me as a relationship advice backboard. Oh. They just be like, so she did this. What do you think that means? Okay, I don't, like, oh. I don't need, well, I'm, I don't need relationship advice. <laughs> I mean, I do. I could go to counselor though. Okay, so you're Uber driving and, and you blogging. have like, first of all, we need to acknowledge you have this like unique opportunity to mm-hmm. work on this blog. 
for that yes. long. Many people who are listening, they've got this side hustle. Mm-hmm. And so their side hustle, so they're working mm-hmm. eight to five at a real J-O-B. Yeah, yeah. Not that blogging's not. I keep, no, but, I'm, I'm doing, yeah, you know, I know what I mean? mean. Yeah. They're working eight to five at their job and then they're doing whatever they're mm-hmm. doing, photography, Etsy shop, whatever on the side. Yeah. So what a blessing that you had that time. I know. Looking back, I was like, I was exactly where I was meant to be. I, I was always praying like, God, put me where you want me to be. Put me where you want me to be. But I was just sitting there in frustration of, oh, I can't believe I'm Uber driving and just blogging. Like, this is not where God wants me to be. But absolutely it was. Um, And so then he ended up graduating, got a full-time job in Austin. And at that point, I was so close to getting this thing to be like a sustainable position that um, he was like, why don't you just work on this for another six months? So it would be like two years of putting all your time into it and let's see where you're at. And so two years passed and now it's at a place where I absolutely can just, it's um, sustainable. What's your goal with your blog? So what I love about blogging is getting into people's like homes just across the world in a second. I have a ton of followers from India, which is really cool because I share the gospel organically, hopefully on my platform. And they ask me questions. People will say, hey, I got a Bible. Where should I start reading? Or, you know, they'll come for the travel, but they'll stay for the um, devotional. And it's just... What I hope to create from this space is just a way to share, to share through fashion, through travel, through food, through bluntly sharing, Um, and also creating relationships because I've made some really great relationships. I reached out to you via Instagram. You know, I think um, social media can be used as a really great tool. It can. I, yeah. I really enjoy social media. It's not my favorite for seventh and ninth grade kids, but yes. for adults, I love it. Okay. So you've been doing this and mm-hmm. you also have, have expanding, like you put on an event this yeah. past fall, mm-hmm. which I was watching you do that over Instagram. And literally I was like, I'm so proud of her Aww. because I know that took a lot of courage and steps to do something kind of, it was new for you. Mm-hmm. It was your first time. Yeah. How, what was that? So I hosted an event this December called Keep Austin Warm. And it was a charity event where we um, had more than 30 vendors across Austin donate their services like food, photo booth, um, drinks, music, everything. And even our venue was donated by the beautiful Bar Mansion. And basically all proceeds and ticket funds and donations were given to three charities, Austin Pets Live, Hope Food Pantry, and Safe Austin. I love it. I want to come next year, just so you know. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. I was really having FOMO as I was watching the pictures go through. Um, But congrats on doing that because I know that is, I know that was a lot of work. Um, It was, but it was like, that is, I just love that. I love being able to bring people together from different avenues of life and like be able to give back to our city, which actually I think literally a few weeks before I had this idea, one of the sermons at the stone was about being for the city. And then this idea came in and I was like, oh, great. Thank you, Holy Spirit for working. I'm going to be for my city. I love it. You kind of touched on this for a minute, but I want to hear like, how is it for you meshing um, faith and work? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I know you talk about like, you want people to come for the fashion and stay for the devotions, which I think is brilliant and beautiful. But how do you in maybe not even your blog world, but networking Mm -hmm. um, with women in Austin, um, I think a lot of times people get stuck up with stuck with how do I do a really good job at my job and network, but I still want to people to know I'm a Christian and I just want my faith to shine through. How do you put those two together? I think when I started this blog, I told myself that um, there should be no shadow of a doubt to anyone who encounters my platform that she's a believer, that she believes in Jesus. And it doesn't mean like shouting from the rooftops or like wearing t-shirts that say I am a Christian. Um, But just in everything, you know, just... um, when people comment something, if it's more of a thoughtful response and it's like, oh, I've had a hard day or something, you know, saying, hey, can I pray for you? Or let me know how I can pray for you. Or um, being consistent with the word of God too. You know, I write a lot on love because it's something that like healed my life with um, my husband, with Jesus, obviously. And being able to take it back to scripture and be like, wait, is that what scripture says about love? And also, I think what's really, really cool about the city is that there are believers of all ages. So finding someone who is a little bit older, a lot of bit wiser, who can pour into you and say, hey, at your job, like, I think you could do this. And um, I challenge you to do that. I really, I love having women like that in my life because 
man, like there's so, there's so much potential out there in every encounter. If you just have someone who kind of nudges you along a little bit. So you're like, I love, I love that the age span of women cheering each other on. It's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things as well. Uh If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, so the one thing we do here on the yeah. happy hour is I ask everyone, what do they love and what are they reading? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are you loving these days? I am currently loving Moroccan food. Moroccan food? Yes. There's this new restaurant in town called Darna, and it is unreal. D-A-R-N-A. Yes. It is I don't so know that good. I've ever had... Didn't you just go to Egypt? Um, I went to Saudi Arabia. Oh, yes. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking it up on Instagram as we speak. Yes. Darna is so good. I think... It sounds I may- like Dharma, you know, like... Um, mm-hmm. Lost, the Dharma Initiative. Yes. Did you watch mm-hmm. Lost? I did. Okay. Yes. Okay. So. Darna, Mediterranean food. Is that what we're looking mm-hmm. at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. They they have the best hummus, I think, honestly. <gasps> I love hummus. It's so good. Okay. So yeah. you're loving that. I'm loving that. Um, what else am I loving? I'm loving vegan food lately because I've noticed that when I was abroad, and like, like literally anytime I'm abroad, I never have issues with dairy. But as soon as I come back into this country and have just any sort of dairy, I like swell up like a helium balloon. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having a lot of vegan food lately, which I actually really appreciate. Like jackfruit is a really good substitute for brisket. So. Okay. Where yeah. do you get vegan, vegan food here? Um, man. There's now so that we're listing places. restaurants. I like counterculture. Uh-huh, we of, love that place. Yeah. It's so delicious. Cesar Chavez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's so good. And then honestly, I cook a lot. Yeah. So we eat, people ask, are you vegan? Because we cook, we, (laughs) I don't cook anything, but um, Aaron cooks a lot of vegan food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our daughter has a dairy allergy. Oh, okay. And we try to do very little gluten. Okay. And so having a dairy allergy really forces you into that vegan kind of train a lot. And so Aaron cooks a lot of vegan and we love it. We're not vegan. Mm -hmm. I like eating vegan food as well. Counterculture. What did I have there that I literally was dreaming about? Oh, give me a second. It wasn't on the brunch menu because we've been there after church. Okay. Was it their mac and cheese? Uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it's also gluten-free. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, Dairy-free mac and cheese is is a tough one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Theirs is so good. Yeah. I was dreaming about it. And then we went for brunch and they don't have it on the brunch menu. Okay, so uh, the Moroccan restaurant, the, the Moroccan vegan food, food, vegan food, and then honestly, trench coats. I like bought so many, not so many. I bought three trench coats this winter because I think you could wear anything from a t-shirt to a blouse to a sweater. You put on the trench and you go from like ten to twenty. You just you have a trench coat on right now. I know I have a trench coat. And, and you walked in and I was like, she's straight out of London, is what I thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just love trenches and like I love that the pockets are a little bit lower, so like you don't have all this mess up here, you know. Okay, you mentioned Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that trip. Yeah, that was wild. Um, I was invited there by their government to come as a um, blogger, as press, and share a little bit about their city or about Riyadh, which was um, where I was. And it was the first time they'd ever invited tourists into their country. And so it was like, you know, reading online, I'm trying to be like, okay, Saudi Arabian culture, you know, what do I wear? How do I talk? What do I do? And there isn't, there are no articles out there. Um, so it was an absolutely amazing trip. I went with my husband and I just feel like I learned a lot. Your pictures were beautiful. Thank it you. looked like a really beautiful place. It is so untouched by yeah. man mm-hmm. that um, 
like, you know, Petra and Jordan, they have that one huge like rock burial ground thing. And it's a world wonder where, where we went in Saudi Arabia, they have more than 200 of that exact same thing. Wow. And people just don't know because they've never allowed people to come in. So are they opening it up to tourists now? They're slowly opening it up to tourists. Okay. Yes. How do I get on that invite list? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we got what you love in Saudi Arabia. Are you a reader? Okay, so I was that kid that would read and always get free Six Flags tickets growing up because oh, yeah. I like, read so much. I pay my kids to read in the summer, like 10 cents a page. That's brilliant. I know. And they That's do brilliant. because cash talks. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I don't even care. I'm like, I'll pay you. None of them read during the school year mm-hmm. except for what they have to. Yeah. Although Story just got a Kindle that has... Um, Books on it. Oh, that's amazing. She's been reading like crazy. That's awesome. Okay, so you were a reader. Yeah, I was a reader. Um, have not been since college. Because it's just like time. Yeah, and I also feel like in college, they just throw so many books at you and they're like, read this, read that. And so then reading just doesn't, isn't fun anymore. But I would love, I would love to get back into reading. Do you have any recommendations? Well, I have a ton of recommendations, but I will tell you this. I was like you, probably about eight years ago, I was, I would have said the same thing. Like, I don't have to, I don't do this. And I made a kind of New Year's resolution, either, even though I'm not a New Year's resolution type of girl. Okay. And I said, I'm going to read 12 books this year. Oh, wow. So I was like one a month, which that's actually a lot of books yeah. for a lot of people. Now, Laura Tremaine just posted on Instagram the other day. She read 72 books last year. So there's that. What? I know, right? I, I don't even like, I don't even, I can't, that my brain can't even do that. <laughs> but I made that resolution to read 12 books that year. And I did. Oh, wow. And then like the next year I read like 36 and then I got up to like 40. Oh, wow. And so I was doing good. I don't read that many books anymore. Okay. Just because of time. I don't know. Just because you're writing so many books. Yeah, I'm writing and interviewing. <laughs> like if it is an author, I'll read parts of their book, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to text you some good books yes, to start. Fiction. Please do. Um, both. I mean, I feel like the last book I read that I really, like, okay, no, not the last book. I read books since then. But the last book that I still just like, is, I would say is my favorite is Harry Potter. Like oh. without a doubt. You read the whole thing? Oh yeah. Okay, I only read three and then I was done. It's not my type. <laughs> it's So maybe I'll, you're not gonna like my recommendation. I'm, I'm gonna find somebody else to give you recommendations. I read the first three because my kids were reading them and I just wanted to like, you okay, know, yeah, be a cool see mom. what's up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then after that, I was like, I hate this book. Oh man. I mean, so I like fantasy sci-fi. I can't do like self-help books because I just laugh. Okay, so I got one fantasy <laughs> sci-fi for you. Okay, okay? yeah. Um, this is totally not like a book I would ever read, but someone recommended it to me and I just went with it. The Martian. Oh, okay. Did you see the movie? I did watch the movie. Well, that's not going to be fun then. <laughs> um, okay, that's, but that's like, it's not fantasy or sci-fi. It's kind of, well, it's, it's kind of sci-fi. You can't really, he's not gonna really going to land on Mars and stay there for That's true. so many days. I really do like some nonfiction. Like I read this book, um, like Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. I read Grace, um, Adoption, da, da, da. Like I like reading books that will supplement something in life for okay. me, but fiction is also fun. I like getting lost in a fiction sometimes. Okay. Um, Shruti, thank you. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with us today. It is just... Um, it's so wonderful to be reminded about mm-hmm. what God does. Yeah. Um, and we you. see him working every single day, but mm-hmm. to hear someone's story of someone who, this is going to sound weird when I say it, but it almost feels like this unlikely believer mm-hmm. because of your circumstances, because of growing up in a Hindu family, um, because of your your cultural um, background with your parents. This is just so out of the box that mm-hmm. you would become a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and so those are kind of my favorite stories of faith because it reminds us that God is in the business of saving people. Yeah, like that's he what is. he does. He yeah, does he that. Is. That's what he does. So thank you for sharing that. And then I'm so encouraged by your work as a woman and in our city oh, and entrepreneur you. and doing big things and making a difference. So oh, you are making me blush. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of yours. So thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks for having me. Friends, I told you that you would love Shruti's story. I love hearing stories of God revealing himself to others. Also, how grateful are we for Faye? When Shruti shared, I just need to understand who God is, I got tears in my eyes because it's the center of the need in all of our hearts. I am so proud of all that Shruti is doing and in her lane for her work, and she makes her faith a part of all she's involved in with our city. You're going to want to check out her blog and her Instagram. Everything's over on our show notes, but if you want to get on her Instagram right now, go to The Honest Shruth. It's so cute. The Honest and then S-H-R-U-T-H. Like, truthy, but truth, it's so cute. Anyhow, 
I always tell you who edited today's show, and I always tell you who the music is from, but I don't tell you some more of the behind-the-scenes people, so today I'm telling you everybody. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. The show notes were developed for the show by Aki Slockers, and the orchestrator for all of this, Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Laura Casey. Last month, I flew to North Carolina, and I knew that if I was going to North Carolina, I wanted to try to get an interview with her. And so I got up, I got on a 5 a.m. flight, you guys, and I am so thankful that I did because my time sitting down with Laura was so life-giving. She is so kind, first of all. I mean, so kind. And when she told me her story, it was honest and vulnerable. And it was parts of her story that I never knew, even from following her online for all these years. You guys are going to love every moment of that conversation. Number one, you're going to love her. Number two, everything she talks about points back to Jesus. And that's my fave, you guys. All right, friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I hope you have sunshine wherever you might be. And if you're in spring break, have fun. I'll see you next week with my friend, Laura Casey. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.